Hello, my name is Will Hoffacker, and welcome to another episode of The Smug Buds, the podcast where we explain everything to the geese. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes. Hi, Liz. Hey, Will. I wish I had known you were going to do this bit earlier because I would have practiced my Sarah voice. <laughs> do you know what her last yes. name is? In the show, yes. Yeah. It, it's Sarah Connor. Yes. Like from Terminator. Yes. yes. And- Something that they never acknowledge. <laughs> and then today when that came up, when I was watching it, I look. I was like, wait a second. I was like double checking like my memory of this because I have mm-hmm. not seen Terminator, but I know that fact. Yes. And so I, um, later Kenny was like, um, why were you Googling Sarah Connor? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I have a reason. He's like, Oh, I believe you have a reason, but I would like to know what it is. Mm-hmm. So Liz, mm-hmm. first of all, mm-hmm. most importantly, mm-hmm. how are you? Oh, today was a very bad day. <laughs> it has been a bad it- week. It is the it is Thursday, uh, the last day of April, twenty twenty, as we're recording this. And um, do you want to get into it? What what's what's uh, so on, on your mind? On Monday, I found out that a coworker of mine died on Saturday, um, uh, very suddenly. Did you see this on Twitter? I believe I did. Um, he, I didn't say this on Twitter, this part, but like. Uh, he was in my sort of, um, like my greater department. So like mm-hmm. so- somebody that I worked with, but not all the time. Yes. And, um, he was like the nicest fucking dude mm-hmm. and, um, was like always kind to me and like genuinely interested in like my poetry stuff. Whereas like, mm-hmm. as I think I've mentioned in like interviews and stuff. Some of my coworkers, even my supportive coworkers, have sort of said like things like, "It's just too sad for me," mm-hmm. or sure. "Not my cup of tea," which is fine. They're totally allowed to have those opinions. But when you also have that contrasted with somebody who's just like, just so happy that mm-hmm. like you're doing something like yeah. that's successful, Creative. yeah, and don't doesn't think that you're like a novelty because of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the other thing that I think makes this, I mean, it's very sad and there are people, he's been working at, at where I work for, (laughs) nice you can Google it, I guess, but like, uh, he's been working there since, um, for like 20 years. So like my Mm. one coworker had a, um, had like a meltdown on Monday because she found out from this email. This, mm-hmm. like, generic... I mean, I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I think they were trying to tell us the information as quickly as they could. But she found out from right. this, like, generic email. And, you know, her kids, who are older, you know, they're, like, um, school, uh, school-aged, school basically, thought yeah. that she was sick or something. Because mm-hmm. she had a fucking meltdown. And mm-hmm. so, which is to say, a lot of people are grieving with this way harder than I am. But the thing that mm-hmm. was so, so bizarre about it was that um, I had a meeting with him on Friday. Mm-hmm. And... I think there's always that feeling of like, but I just saw them when somebody mm-hmm. dies suddenly. Sure. But it is a, 
especially heightened when you're not seeing anyone. Right. So, like, I was in a Zoom meeting with him on Friday. I heard his voice. I said, like, we talked very briefly among everyone else. He was, like, sent on a quest to get information Mm -hmm. for, like, our next meeting. Yeah. And then he died Saturday. And I think the other thing is, when I die, I should have put this in my will. Not in you. I guess I'm putting it uh-huh. in you since I didn't put it in my legal will. Um, Don't care for that. Go just on. fucking say how I died in my obituary. Uh-huh. Please just say so, how I died. So is it still a mystery or have you heard from other sources? It's a mystery. What it was. Okay. I know that he died suddenly. I know that he mm-hmm. was based on looking at LinkedIn, like 60, probably. Okay. Probably uh-huh. not much older than 60, probably not much younger. Gotcha. Um, based on, like, when he went to college and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And he, I actually thought that he was, like, right at 50, so mm-hmm. he was, I don't, th- I certainly don't think he was any older than 60, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, people just die. That's a thing that happens. But, like, uh-huh. people also get into accidents. Yep. So, yeah, it's, I think that is, I, it's, I, maybe that's morbid of me, but I always want to know. Like, I want to sure. know. It, it gives yeah. me calm. <laughs> um, yeah, I can relate. Absolutely. So that was the start of the week, which was just, it was like, I don't want to say that I wasn't sad because I was sad, but it was more so that I was just like, it ramped up every emotion of distraction. Like, sure. every, like, sense that I was distracted. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, I've just, like, felt bad. So, like, last night I, um, stayed up to watch Cameron Esposito's, um, live, um, Zoom comedy show. Okay. Which I was really excited for. Um, but I was, like, falling asleep during it, which was early mm-hmm. even for me. I was, mm-hmm. like, falling asleep at, like, 8.15, 8.30. Yeah. And then today I, uh, I love food as I think, you know, cause I love cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love like the culture of food. I love it from every aspect. I love, uh, like the fact that it makes me feel like a wizard. And this morning I just didn't eat breakfast and it got to be 1030 and I was like, I need to eat something before I, before it's lunch. Like I need to eat something before noon. And I realized I had a moment where I was like, None of this food will bring me joy. And I can't muster to eat something. And I walked into the living room and just started weeping and asked Kenny if he could make me breakfast. Mm-hmm. And he did. But I'm that's sorry. how my day's going. <laughs> that was today or that was or were that was this morning. I actually thought I okay. might cry on this podcast, and I'm glad I haven't yet. But okay, well, it's been it's seven like, minutes. It's not like I'm gonna, you know, hold. It's back. not like we're talking about anything that inspires any emotions oh once we God. get into the I, main topic. That's the, oh, so that's the other thing. That's the other thing. And this was a little bit self-inflicted yesterday, but I knew it was coming, and I wanted to get it over with. Buffering my my pot my one of my favorite podcasts, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um got to the body yesterday uh-huh. which i knew was coming like i knew it was coming when they started you know what i mean but i knew that yes. it was going to be during this time period for like 
many months now. Um, cause I, it was actually on the schedule. Yeah. Just for my parents say got to the body means <laughs> Liz is talking about listening to a podcast that recaps episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the body is a famous episode. One in which uh, spoiler alert, uh, Buffy's mom dies, uh, pretty suddenly. And, uh, she technically dies in the episode previous, but yeah. Mm, yeah, well, it's, it's it's the episode dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one of the best episodes of television. I mean, full stop. Like, it's pretty special. Um, and so I watched The Body to prepare, which is ruinous. And mm-hmm. then I listened to the podcast in the afternoon, um, which included, <laughs> and I texted her. And I said, you've got to warn me about this shit, Elise. My dear friend, Elise Noor, the poet, um, knows them, knows Mm -hmm. the buffering people, and Mm -hmm. read a poem before each of the four acts that they discussed. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, too much for me. (laughs) Sure. Also. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing, is I knew that I was going to, like, it was self-inflicted that I spent yesterday crying, but that's, like, the sort of material that, like, I couldn't, I couldn't just let that sit. Like, there was never going to be a good day to do that, and I didn't want to skip mm-hmm. it. And I knew that it was going to be, like, well done, you know? Yeah. So, um, if I may say, sounds like a pretty typical week uh, <laughs> in quarantine yeah. uh, so far. Yeah. Except the uh, dying thing. That was new. Yes. For me. New for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and I am, of course, sorry to hear that. Um, it might be, I don't know, a little weird to say, because as you explained, it's not someone you were like close to, but, you know, it would be weirder to not say, I think it makes I'm sense. sorry that that happened. I think it makes more sense to say, I'm sorry that that happened, than to say, like, I'm sorry for your loss. For your loss, right, yeah. Because <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened is like both acknowledging the death and the fact that it was just fucking weird. Yeah. So, moving on from how are you doing to... That beloved segment we call Old Business. Yeah. I believe you have some old business concerning music videos. Yes. I have some old news. Um, Okay, so a couple of things, and um, I'll try to get through this quickly. Something that you mentioned, like, basically as soon as we were done recording, which was Mm -hmm. the last music video that really was, like, a sort of cultural event was the This Mm -hmm. Is America music video, which you Mm -hmm. and I both had clocked as coming out in 2016, and I knew that I was at my mom's house when it came out, and I was, but I had forgotten. I was like, something felt wrong about 2016. I would have been pregnant when it came out, if it came out in 2016. It came out in April um, of 2018. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at my mother's house, partially because we watched it on her television, and Elliot was there, and I did not think <laughs> that I would need to not have Elliot watching a music video uh, because there would be a bunch of people that were going to get shot. Right. Um, And that music video, you know, that song is incredible. That music video is also just really incredible. So there's that. Um, The other... And let's just clarify, and this is kind of a a boring, basic thing to say at this point, but I don't get tired of saying it. April 2018 was, at this point, today... 
one million years ago. Yes. So so we can be forgiven for thinking that that <laughs> video came out a lot longer ago than it actually did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. It was um one million years ago, and it's incredible that we've lived this long, really. Um, and, and and I'm never gonna die. So. <laughs> um. So um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was I sort of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that music videos are sort of like a dying art. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's true in the sense that there have been times, because I know I said that I like look up music videos when I hear a song. There have been multiple times recently, and I, of course, can't think of any of them now, and I couldn't what, since I did this, where I've heard a song, tried to look up the music video, and there has not been a music video. Mm-hmm. And then I have like then consistently kept looking and one has just never appeared mm-hmm. which never for a mainstream song would have been the case even five years ago i think okay you know these are songs that i'm hearing on the radio i guess is my yes. point gotcha. um, and so there's that um but i think that there is another interesting thing happening which is when youtube came out people started posting videos that either had images or didn't that just had the lyrics playing at like mm-hmm. on the screen um as the song was playing and mm-hmm. i think that um people figured out that these videos were like something that people actually wanted like they wanted to be able to have like the dual experience of reading the lyrics as the song was playing mm-hmm. and so now there is a new thing, I say new, you know, relative to most of the mm-hmm. music videos we looked at, where you'll right. have a lyric music video. Or a lyric video. Yes, where it is um, the lyrics, of, but posted officially by the artist. And it usually right. is thematically, it's usually still beautiful and sometimes, you know, might as well just be a music video. <laughs> Yes. But it's usually thematically connected to what the music video, the official music video, will end up being. Mm-hmm. So in some ways it also is um, a teaser in that sense. Yes. Um, and I think that that's really interesting that we now have this sort of like, in the same way that um, you might have something like a making of a video or just like um, in an anticipatory music video coming out that maybe is being teased in a couple of shots as a commercial. Now mm-hmm. we have this sort of online lyric video, um, official music video cycle for some music videos right. and songs. For uh, the, just what I think of when I think of a case where a lyric video is released first and then the actual music video. Um, I think of something where I am finding out by looking it up right now that my memory of that is bad and that's not actually true. And that's probably what should have happened. I was thinking of the song Make You Better by the Decemberists. Mm. In my memory, I thought for sure, well, first they released this one video, which was a lyric video. Yeah. And then later, the real music video. In fact, they first put up something that they call Make You Better, parentheses, Visualizer. Oh. It's not a lyric video. It's just like a kaleidoscope looking thing. Uh Uh, And then the real music video came later. Um, this was, uh, 
Yeah, they both came out in November 2014, the visualizer first and the music video second. So that was a few, quite a few years ago at this point. If that were done today, mm-hmm. I would expect to see the first one be a lyric video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and you're right. Visualizers are also um, things where it's like a video that's specifically made almost to play like on a projector at a house party. Mm-hmm. Where like people are smoking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even familiar with that term outside of this context. If, I, if I've seen it elsewhere, I don't remember it particularly. Um, a good example of a lyric video that teased what the, um, music video was going to be about is also from 2018, and it's the lyric video for Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Mm. Um, that was all written, it was in, like, almost like, um, oh, what's it called? What's it called when you, Ransom Note? Oh, yeah. Except not really, I, because, like, it's cut out, but then, the like, all the font's different, but each word is its own, like, cut-out piece. Instead of the letters being their own cut-out yeah. piece? Yeah. Okay. But it was, um, the music video for that ended up being, um, a bunch of her, I mean, a good example of, like, recreating a movie, except it was a bunch of movies, and one of them mm-hmm. was Mean Girls, and so this was, like, teasing the idea of it going to be a, like, the, the burn book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a good example. Interesting. Okay. Well, I have my own old business that I'm going to try and, yes. um, keep, uh, going quickly. Uh, and this came to me courtesy of, uh, devotee of the podcast, Sarah, Ooh. who brought it to my attention that this week there was some Academy Awards news. Ooh. And uh, there are a number of things that one could uh, describe, most of which are uh, boring, but the the two things that are uh, (laughs) less boring enough for for me to mention them Uh are uh, that the the Academy announced that they are waiving the requirement for a theatrical run for this this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's, it makes sense. It seems necessary, but it is a temporary measure. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other announcement, which I think is meant to be permanent rather than just this year, is they are combining the two sound categories. Oh. As, as you may remember, uh, there have been uh, Oscars, one for sound mixing and uh-huh. one for sound editing. And weren't you and- like, I don't know the difference? I have said that in the past, and then also on, I think, more than one occasion, uh, our friend Park has uh, had the expertise to explain it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's something n- Park would know. He, uh, he has, uh, from what I understand, an associate's degree in knowing that sort of thing, <laughs> um, audio engineering or something like that. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what the term is. But, uh, yeah, going forward, it's just going to be one category, best sound. <laughs> Period. Full stop. That's sound. So, I just, which kind of makes it sound like you isolated just one sound effect. And like, this is the best sound in any movie this year. This like goose honking or something like that. I just imagine them being like, and the winner is whatever. Sounds great. 
That's what you imagine? I imagine them being like, sounds great. That's what you're laughing about. Yeah. Cool. I'm really happy for you. You're so funny sometimes. <laughs> I'm genuinely happy for you. I I tried to send Will and all of our my friends. Including Will. <laughs> I was mean to a man on Twitter. I was trying to get them to talk about this, like, electric socket that had bees behind it, and it was oozing honey. Cause yes, it was an, image, an image that you might have seen on Twitter. Some Twitter account that's like science and nature or something. Uh, is says uh, so many bees in the walls that the outlet is leaking honey. Which and there's so a, many bees in the walls. There should be zero bees in the walls. <laughs> there's a photograph of what appears to be honey leaking out of an electrical outlet with like a bunch of little bugs surrounding it. Not the bees mentioned, but you know, little bugs that might be attracted to honey. No visual of bees in the picture because they are presumably inside the wall, which we are seeing the outside of. Yes. And then someone, someone you follow, question mark? Or no, was it, I think somebody liked was retweeted it. retweeted into yeah. your feed. Yeah. So, some, so somebody, quote, retweeted it, and their joke was, I'll take what is poetry for 9,000 Alex. Which Will proceeded to point by point tear I workshopped it. Yes. I workshopped it. And it's I a was, highly workshoppable joke. I was only including that because we have a long running joke um from Gary Fink, our mm. uh the uh grandfather and write uh old director of our writing program at Susquehanna, um, who would tell stories uh, he did this a couple of times, but the most notable one is he described... Do you know actually where this came from? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. So oh, really? please explain. Are you going to say because he would say that's a poem right there? Yes. Is that... Okay. But this... Bear, had... I bear, like, very disparate dots that you are connecting. Please connect them for okay, me. Okay, so he um, was telling a story about um, a poem that he had written. Or it might have uh-huh. even been a story, but oh. it was about. Um, it might have even been an essay. I mean, he writes all three, but uh-huh. he was doing a reading at Susquehanna, and he was like, "Yeah, so up in Canada, they just were, you know, these like these needles started washing up on the beach, and they were like, oh God, well this isn't good.' And then, and then one day it was just a whole leg." A whole dead leg just washed up on a beach. And I was like, that's a poem right there. Human leg washing up on a shore. (laughs) Basically, the idea being that, like, you know, sometimes you encounter something and... Yes, and someone funny, like Gary Fink, might describe such a thing and make people laugh by saying that's a poem right there. Yeah. And then someone else, sorry, uh, probably some probably some editor who was never going to publish me anyway, uh, but definitely never will if this is heard. Um, their version of that joke is to say, I'll take, and I'm going to say it again, but this time I'm going to add the punctuation. I'll take, open quotation mark, uh-huh. 
what is poetry for 9,000 Alex? Close quotation mark. <laughs> so based on the quotation marks, he's going to take all that. He's going to, he takes, he will take the entire phrase. What is poetry for 9,000 Alex? Also, 9,000 is not a dollar value on the Jeopardy board. Also, what is poetry is the sort of thing that you would say in response to one of the answers on Jeopardy. Yes. It's not a naming convention for their categories. And the category, picking a category is when you say, I'll take X for Y, Mm -hmm. Alex. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I said all of this in response. (laughs) And I was like, you are missing my point, which was bees in a wall. (laughs) And and then what did I do? I don't remember. I just sent a screenshot of that guy's avatar, (laughs) the one who made the joke, because I thought that his avatar just made him look exactly like the sort of person who would make that joke. I wanted so to bring I up one more thing about the bees because this reminded me of that. Are you familiar with the story with the the flash fiction piece, a story about the body? Uh, uh yeah, I, I recognize that title. So I'm not. It's very short, but I'm not going to read it. It's about um, there's two people at like a, a artist at an artist colony, and they the dude the a young dude and an older woman, and the dude's like clearly wants to sleep with the woman, and the woman that night is the one night is like, I think you want to sleep with me and I'd be good with that, but I want to let you know that I had a mastectomy. And he's like, ugh, and leaves. And then um, in the morning, he wakes up, and this is how it ends. Uh, He walked back to his own cabin through the pines, and in the morning he found a small blue bowl on the porch outside his door. It looked to be full of rose petals, but he found when he picked it up that the rose petals were on top. The rest of the bowl... Uh, M dash. She must have swept the corners of her studio. M dash was full of dead bees. Yeah, another thing with bees in it. This, but this drives me nuts because again, in that picture, why are there bees in the wall? <laughs> in this story. Why are there so many dead bees that she can sweep them from the corners of her studio? Where are all of these bees coming from? I mean, why was I mean, why was the writer's house like occasionally just like completely covered in ladybugs? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, things are places. This <laughs> the, the photograph is good. I will grant you this. I I understand. The photograph of the honey leaking out of the electrical outlet is good. Okay. I have appreciation for that. Good. Thank you. I do not have a response to it going, I never imagined that bees might be in a wall in in a house or a building. <laughs> That's, that is completely fathomable to me. It's unfathomable to me. Oh, God. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Will? Well, normally I would ask you that, but I don't mind telling you that we're going to talk about Joe Perra, a comedian and writer and actor with a TV show called Joe Perra Talks With You on the Adult Swim Network. Liz, what is your baseline with Joe Perra, please? My baseline is that um, I'm in love uh-huh. uh, as of Sunday. Great. I watched all of season one on Sunday. 
um, mm-hmm. throughout the day. Yeah. And then I thought a lot about it. And I watched Joe Paratoxy to Sleep, which is a animated thing. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it. And then I bought season two on YouTube this morning. Yes, I do want to ask about this because we you did buy it using I our, accidentally used the SmugBuds account. So so a notification was sent to the email address that we share. Yes. So I did see the email saying that you had purchased it. So I do know this already. Which and I am curious about it. Which also means that you could watch season two whenever you wanted. So season one is Here's the thing. <laughs> I already can. I know, Will. I because know. Because the way I watch it is on the Adult Swim app. Yes. My question for you is, how did you watch season one? Season one. Did you one, purchase that as well, but I didn't know because it was with a different account? No. So season one is available for free on adultswim.com. Uh-huh. And you can just click on the button and it'll play it in a player. Uh-huh. And some of season two is available, including, like, I think the grocery store episode and the episode after that, which I don't okay. remember the name of that one um and i decided that i really want to watch this with kenny and so Mm -hmm. i decide and the it's going to be available online until the end of august so i decided it was worth it to me to spend 15 dollars on youtube Mm -hmm. i almost bought it on itunes but it was 20 dollars on itunes so Mm -hmm. i decided it was worth it to spend 15 dollars to buy the standard uh definition (laughs) Oh my god, what? Version, so that I could watch it. I needed to consume, Will. I needed to consume okay. it. I I did not think that I was going to get upset about this. <laughs> I am upset about a standard, def- a willing, knowing. It was $5 cheaper. Standard, yeah. You know why? <laughs> It sucks. <laughs> it didn't suck. It was everything I could have hoped for. Yeah, but one of the things that I want to talk about, which I'm realizing I, I don't have in my outline, is, uh, and I'm I'm skipping way ahead here just because you got me onto the topic, is just it, this, the show Joe Parra talks with you, in my opinion, looks and sounds, but we're going to talk in particular about how it looks. Mm-hmm. Way better than it has any right to, mm-hmm. and you and and you would not think, knowing that it is an eleven-minute comedy show on Adult Swim. Oh yeah, you might not think. Well, it 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 matters whether it's high def or standard def. Mm-hmm. Seems like that wouldn't be the case. I would argue it's such a well-made show. That it is an insult to choose to purchase it in standard definition. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, even just like that first episode where he, he, uh, Joe and Jean are standing on that beach. Yes. It's like... Lake Superior, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So we'll talk more about some of my favorite shots and, and my favorite moments, like cin- cinematically speaking. Yeah. Later, we'll try to get to that. Um, you, you said you started watching season two yourself. Oh, I, I finished it. Oh, you did finish it. I, oh, okay. I, I needed to consume. Okay. You did. Okay. So when you said that you had to watch it with Kenny, 
you didn't mean you stopped yourself. You 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 meant you you okay understood. No, and Kenny is incredibly skeptical because I've okay. been so enthusiastic, which is maybe okay. my fault. And just quick question: How do you have a sense of how long would you say you have been getting this recommended to you? Um, I think that you and Sarah both recommended to recommended it to me once about six months ago. Okay. Yeah, that sounds uh, like it might be true. Um, maybe maybe like nine, <gasps> maybe like nine months ago. So just for some context that I think should be necessary, um, Joe Joe Perry talks to you, which you might have or no, I'm sorry, which, Joe Perry talks I, with you, which I accidentally yes. for a while was calling Joe Perry gives you good advice. Yes. <laughs> I cannot get it into my head whether the show is called Joe Paratalks to you or with yeah. you, but it is uh-huh. with you. Yeah, that makes more sense. And uh, uh, that show premiered in May uh, 2018. Um, uh-huh. And I've been watching it since probably um, summer or fall 2018. I caught okay. on pretty quickly, um, and I'll explain why uh, in a moment. But, but first, I want to start after we, of course, we always start with the baseline, yes. but turning it over to me for control of the conversation, <laughs> I want to start with with Joe the man. Yes. I, I have a way into trying to describe him, but first I'll give you a chance. How, how would you describe Joe Para, the man or the character or both? Okay, so this is maybe not the time you want to talk about this. He's um, tall and Mm -hmm. very light, so he's blonde. Mm -hmm. He's one of the few people in the world I think probably looks better without a beard. I mean, not few people, but there's like Mm -hmm. there are some people that I'm like, you don't need a beard, and Mm -hmm. most people I'm like, yeah, you probably look good. Try a beard, beard. yeah. Yeah. Adam Driver is one of the few switches. Mm. I'm good with either there. Interesting. Um, um, he, as a character, mm-hmm. sort of walks um, like he has scoliosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that he doesn't because I've okay. seen other videos where he has good posture. Yes. And unless something has happened. And mm-hmm. he, um, the character is also, um, seems like, um, uh, somebody that listens to NPR in, mm-hmm. uh, like 1995. Interesting. Okay. And That's an interesting read. Because, because, I feel like NPR is, like, very cool now, but when I was younger, like, especially with, like, social media, like, people who listened to NPR were all, like, very smart and very interested in learning about things, but also, like, they were listening to radio. Yes. <laughs> we can say this about, we can say this much about this detail about Joe Para, um, the character. He definitely watches PBS. Yeah. And he definitely goes to the library a lot. Yes. So we, we know that. So so yes, I can see how it would follow your 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 NPR 
comparison. I, I have one other thing to say, too. Please. Um, he His voice, of course, um, yes. you opened with a um, mimicry Pale, of it. Yes, imitation. His voice is very deep um, mm. and very soft, no matter yes. what. He's um, extremely soft-spoken. He is absolutely, for his character, playing that up. Yeah. The question is how much? Yes. And I have a very deep-cut conspiracy theory here. Okay. Which is that I googled, uh, is Joe Pera really like that? Yeah. And found a Reddit thread that uh-huh. said, don't watch this if you don't want it to be ruined, but I found a video of sketches where Joe Pera talks normally. Okay. And I clicked the link. Yeah. And the video has been set to private. Ah. Was it a YouTube video? It was a YouTube video. Was it, what was the channel? Was it Joe's channel? It was not his channel. It was oh, somebody else's. I okay. can, I'll try to find it again. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody was commenting, oh my God. And they were like, yep. I told you not to look at it if you didn't want it ruined. And right. then I continued to search and I did find a very early sketch video called Garbage Cake. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Garbage Cake? I don't think so. Where his posture is good in Garbage Cake. Yeah. Um, and he is not, his voice is almost exactly the same, but he's not as, um, uh, hunched. Mm-hmm. And that's my deep cut conspiracy theory. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that to the table. That's good for me to know. I haven't done that level of investigation. So the my way into talking about this is going to be, have you been to Joe Perra's website? No. Okay, so if you go, I was just looking at Reddit. <laughs> so if you go to JoePara.com, um, you are greeted with a picture of Joe and two clickable options. One is website, and the other is guess my age. Mm-hmm. And this this is my way into talking about it because I think that this sort of encapsulates the the whole thing, the whole essence of the persona of the character. You click on guess my age. There's another photograph of him. And it just says, how old am I? And then there's a field to type in your guess and one to type in your name Mm -hmm. and one to type in your email and then a submit button. And this is not just purely random. Mm -hmm. This is obviously based on what you might think seeing him perform. You might think, I can't get a read on how young or old that guy is. Mm -hmm. Because he's kind of really young looking. Because as you say, he's very fair. He's very clean shaven. But at the same time, he's so soft spoken. And he speaks so slowly. And not in every video you can watch, but in most of them, the way that he moves is kind of sluggish and, and, and a little hunched over and bad posture and everything. It makes him seem like an old, old man. Yes. But his mannerisms are like an old man, but his body is not particularly like an old man. Yes. This Joe Para, the character that played by Joe Para, is is going to be 
a a character in the sense that he is a, he's a human being. He's he's a he's a man with feelings, and we're gonna feel for him as as the audience. Mm-hmm. He's not, for example, like Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. Like he has his like persona, his shtick, his his um, uh, alternate version of himself, but. In Joe Parra talks with you, we're still supposed to believe that like this is a real human being, uh, and and it's not a caricature and it's not a goofy off the wall. Anything yeah. can happen. Like Paul Rubens becomes Pee Wee mm-hmm. Herman, sort of a thing. So, but is you, you? I think that sort of creates a, a problem or an opportunity or a challenge. How do you? How do you? How do you give that guy a TV show that isn't just for shits and giggles? Mm-hmm. Like it would be easy to take the character and go like, he's funny because he's weird in all these ways. And that's the joke. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But Joe Parra talks with you in addition to being funny and making comedic use of that character. Um, it, it They also want to tell stories that mm-hmm. are not just for the sake of making you laugh. And so I think a decision had to be made about how do we do an approximation of a real world version of this character who we have to do the character because that's Joe Perry's whole thing and it's his TV show. Mm-hmm. And the ex- and the explanation is and I think I think it's there. They, they, it's right in front of you. They just don't explicitly say it. Yeah. And what it is in my reading is that he was raised by his grandparents. Yes, absolutely. That's that's the show's yes. explanation. Joe Parra, the character who you might know from his weird stand-up, mm-hmm. is in this world a middle school choir teacher who got this way as an adult real man Mm -hmm. because he was raised by his grandparents and his parents were never in the picture. Yes. And so his social circle in his adult, in his development, his childhood and his adolescence, it was, it was all much older people. Mm -hmm. And so he just adopted the mannerisms and the posture and, and the way of being in the the fashion and the fashion, of course, (laughs) of, of, the elderly. Yes. Now, Joe's connection to his Nana and his other grandparents who are no longer uh, in the picture um, is a significant part of the show. Mm -hmm. They never acknowledge the absence of his parents. No, they don't. They just never mention them and they never mention never mentioning them. Mm -hmm. Which Which is why... This is, which is why I'm bringing this to it. Yeah, totally. Which is why I'm not just pointing out something that's totally on the surface, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, like, my reading of, like, I think a decision that they had to make, like, in the writer's room mm-hmm. in order to bring this to reality. So how I learned of the show, that's the next thing on my outline. Uh, I think you two recommended to me uh Joe Parra Talks You to Sleep, which is the animation that you referenced earlier. And this is from 2016. And this is also Adult Swim, 
but it's just a special and mm-hmm. they'll they will do this adult swim will do this sometimes they'll just make an air a special and sometimes that later turns out to be like the proto version of a series that comes later it's it was like it was a pilot maybe mm-hmm. maybe i don't know what's going on behind the scenes but um so joe paradox you to sleep is just it, it's like an 11 minute monologue more or less by joe and it's animated and uh it's called joe paradox you to sleep because it's like uh you know it's it's it's, it's sort literally of, what kenny does with me every night Mm-hmm. Yes. So can you make that into a TV series? Oh, and the answer is yes. Well, I I mean, the answer is yes and no. I think, like, the answer is yes, there is a Joe Perry TV series, and it does grow out of that. But also the answer is no, like, you can't just make... It's called Joe Perry Talks With You mm-hmm. for a reason. It's not... Joe Parra talks you to sleep right. the TV yes. show mm-hmm. because that that if it were you know the animation and just Joe talking not a story mm-hmm. um, that probably wouldn't be sustainable like in the long run if you want to truly make a television program mm-hmm. for s- some number of years so they must have decided okay how do we do you know a, a, a thing that serves Joe's shtick just as well, but also create something that is sustainable as a TV show? Mm-hmm. So I think, if I understand the timeline correctly, the next thing that they made was um, was the Christmas special, which is Joe Para helps you pick out a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and this is I think like twenty two minutes. Mm-hmm. And this is like a true pilot for the show. Have you seen this one? No, I've missed this one. Oh, okay. So you'll recognize. I've only been wa- doing this since Sunday. So you've watched both seasons now. There's two seasons of Joe Parra talks with you so far. Um, if you watch the Christmas special now, you'll recognize. Oh, they actually like took some ideas and really, really used them in the show. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, in the episode, in the New Year's Eve episode, when Joe is fantasizing about seeing the fireworks, and then his fantasy, in his fantasy, he has a wife and child, and yes. they go home and they meet their friends, and you see the fantasy, um, and there's a lot of dialogue in the fantasy, but when they talk in the fantasy, it's still Joe's narration, mm-hmm. so it's just Joe's voice coming out of everyone's mouth. Mm-hmm. That that's something that they do in the Christmas special as oh. well. So so there so there's a, a lot of recycling of ideas, um, and then uh, so Joe Para talks with you. It's Joe Para plays Joe Para, the middle school choir teacher in Marquette, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, the, ostensibly, um, each episode is about a topic or some activity um, that Joe Para will talk to you about or talk you through. Mm-hmm. And he is the narrator as well as the main character. And there's a lot of direct address to you, the audience. Um, but in addition to Joe, we will meet other characters who are his friends and neighbors and coworkers 
um, including his Nana, um, his best friend, Jean, his best friend, Jean's wife, Lulu, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. His new neighbors. Yes, his new neighbors, the Melskis. The Melskis. So maybe that's a good... Okay, so I can go in one of two directions here. You tell me what which one you. This is a choose your own adventure moment. Oh, we did that yesterday with Elliot. Oh, that's how do you like that? Uh, good because yesterday we got to the end of the alphabet. So yesterday we did C H. Mm-hmm. So there's a Carmen Sandiego Netflix. Ah, yes, not not unlike. Uh, speaking of old business, uh, the Telltale Games model of making a video yes. game. Yes. Telltale did some some partnering with Netflix. Oh, which I wanted to tell you, mm-hmm. maybe they actually worked on this because when we were playing yesterday, Elliot had very solid opinions for every choice we mm-hmm. did. And at one point, there's this character named Tigress, and you can either leave her in this hole or help her. Yeah. And Elliot said, leave. And <laughs> when we did that, at the very top, it said, Tigress will remember this. Oh, wow. And Ken and I were both like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not aware of Telltale uh, working on that. Either they did or that is like a stolen trope. Yeah, but or... I it was specifically um, uh, striking to me because you had just told me yes. about that specifically. Right. So mm-hmm. anyway, back to Joe Perro. What are the two No, choices? but just real quick, while we're talking about this Choose Your Own Adventure okay. Netflix stuff, something that I never talked about in the Telltale episode was Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. which I never did at the time, but preparing for the Telltale Games episode, I did Bandersnatch yeah. just to see how it yeah, compared. Yeah, you were so interested, uh, uninterested in that when it happened. I might have to do a future episode of this podcast about all the ways in which Bandersnatch sucks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this. I just thought it was fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know. Yeah, you're you're not totally wrong. I mean, I, I wanted to like it, but that, that that's 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 for a future episode, yeah. may, maybe. So so the choose your own adventure at this moment is. So I started talking about how the show works. Yes. And the next thing in my outline is what is the structure question mark. Uh-huh. But then the other next thing in my notes, you just mentioned his neighbors, the Melskis. Yeah. The next next thing is is Connor O'Malley. So which which of those should I talk about next? Uh, let's talk about the structure. Okay. So basically, when I decided, well, okay, first of all, when I decided this was a topic for the show, all I had in mind was you can you can see this in in the episodes uh, shared document, the spreadsheet that we have where we keep our episode ideas. Mm-hmm. Several months ago, I put in one cell of the document I wrote the Handmaid's Tale, comma. A bad TV show. Yes. And then the very next thing was Joe Parra talks with you. A good TV yes, show. Yes. Yes. That's that's all. That's all. That's all. And then the more I thought about it, and in my mind committed to doing this episode, I I, I arrived at okay. I I guess the thing that I'm really interested in exploring is the show within a show angle. Mm-hmm. Of of looking at it, yeah. Because I have spent a lot of time trying to define the internal logic of Joe Paratox with you, and trying to use a kind of willful X-ray vision to see 
the decisions behind the scenes, a peek mm-hmm. behind the curtain of like, okay, they must have talked about like the rules of like how this works and what is actually going on um, in order to make this. And the conclusion that I've come to is that every version I can think of is not satisfying. And I think that the show is built on an internal logic that is real and does exist, but is based on emotion and just what what feels right and, and what feels possible. I have a secondary answer to that, which I think okay. is related. Okay. And we might be jumping the gun a little bit. Okay. But I think the logic is the same logic. I think it is what feels good and what feels right. I think that you're yeah. absolutely right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the other logic is that it's the same logic that was in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Right, yes. So, and, Which which I, just very specifically what I mean by that, before I let you get yes, into it, yeah. is that, um, as you know, I am a Mr. Rogers connoisseur. Yes. Um, yep. You know, and everybody is, you know, jerking off, like, the whole Mr. Rogers sh- thing now, and they have been very into it. I ha- I was into Mr. Rogers for my entire mm-hmm. childhood into high school. Like, yes. would watch the show into high school. When yeah, Mr. Rogers right. died when I was 14, I cried. So, um, well, something that he's talked a lot about was he always wanted to make it very clear that, um, that he was on television. Mm-hmm. So he always referred to the person as his television neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, us, the audience. Yes. Um, he also always wanted to make a um, really distinct differentiation between the imaginary world and the real world. Mm-hmm. So that was why he had the land of make believe. It's if you watch earlier seasons, like the first season, it's actually a little bit more watery, and he very quickly sort of cut that out. So okay. there was actually a controversy at one point because there was like a crossover between Sesame Street and Mister Rogers. Okay. And Mister Rogers wanted Big Bird to take off his head and show uh, the person inside, yeah. and he they were like, no, right. <laughs> and he was like, well, then he can't be anywhere except for make believe. Mm-hmm. because I'm not having, I'm not going to pretend that this bird is real on my show in the real part of my show. Right. Um, and so I think the logic here is that like, um, we are the television neighbor. Yes. And so we are, you know, part of that is like what feels right and whatnot. But I think the idea is that like, they don't think that we're actually right there, but we are something to be addressed. Yes. You're right. You're you are you are as close to right as I think anyone can get in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think only the people who make the show no. can, can know for sure. But here's here's what I'll say. You are if if I, I wanna say you are correct, asterisk. Yes. And the asterisk is Mr. Rogers was making a television show. Uh-huh. Joe Para, the the choir teacher, yes, doesn't make a television show. Mm-hmm. He's he, but he is the star of one. Yeah, like you. And, and here's 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 what I want to say. I I I thought, okay, all of what you're saying is true, except. They're, they're, the television is just a tool. It, it's just a window mm-hmm. between the audience and the show. And 
they they don't acknowledge that it is a television show. That's what right. I thought. And I was going to be totally satisfied with like, oh, I really thought I had cracked it when I thought like, oh, okay, the 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 name of the show is literal. It is uh-huh. a show where Joe Perra invites you into his life. And 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 the reason I, the reason that doesn't totally track is there's a moment in season two, episode one, near the end, mm-hmm. where Joe Perry says, "Tune in." He's he 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 talk. He's talking about the beginning of summer and the bean <laughs> arch that he's starting to grow, and how because it's summertime, you'll see more of his calves this season. Oh yeah. And he said, and he says, "Tune in." So he does know it's a television show, but, but is he making a television show? Because if he were making a television show, that, that is a show within a show because he's fictional. Yes. Like they're, they're all fictional. Uh Therefore, if they're making a show, the show they're making is fictional. And that's why I talk about the show within a show angle. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down beneath what is the structure. I wrote three things. I wrote Mr. Rogers. Uh-huh. I wrote Pee Wee, who I already mentioned. Uh-huh. And the third thing I wrote down is Review. Have you, have you ever watched Review? Um, it was on Comedy Central. I think I have watched some of that show, yes. But only it's, once. It stars Andy Daly. Yes. It's based on... A show from Australia that had the same premise, but I never watched the Australian version. My understanding is that the Andy Daly version really took the concept and ran with it Mm -hmm. in new directions. Andy Daly plays Forrest McNeil, and Forrest McNeil is a critic or a reviewer. Yes. But, But as he says in the intro to the show, I don't review food, books, or movies. I review life itself. Yes. And, yes. The, and the, the conceit is on this show, viewers submit things that they want reviewed. And he does them and then he reviews them. Doesn't he review like divorce at some point? The great, it, I love this television show. It's great. It is in some ways the antithesis to Joe Paratox with you. <laughs> We haven't talked about the fact that Joe Parra talks with you. This is the third Adult Swim show that I'm devoting an episode of the podcast to. The first mm-hmm. two were Rick and Morty and The Venture Brothers, both of which we've been over how those are half an hour. Those are cartoons. Yeah. Those get really dark. They get really gross. They rely a lot on parody mm-hmm. and playing with tropes of science fiction and fantasy and horror. And every... Joe Parra talks with you is live action. It's 11 minutes. It's one of the most wholesome things I've ever seen and that mm-hmm. you could ever watch. Mm-hmm. And it's insane that it's on Adult Swim. There is nothing else like it. The whole point of Adult Swim is it's called Adult Swim as in all kids out of the pool, as they yeah. used to say on their bumpers. The sun's gone down. The kids are in bed. Now we're going to show you some shit that you, <laughs> the kids shouldn't see, which means that it's going to be vulgar and weird yeah i will say when i started watching the first episode kenny was like 
is it weird? Like I would expect from Adult Swim because it looks fucking weird. And I was I mean, like, in the beginning, I mean... I was, in the beginning, I was honestly waiting for the other shoe to drop too, yeah. because that's what happens on review. On the rev- on review, the other shoe drops, and review is a show of gallows humor that goes really dark and and i love it and by far the best episode of review or if not the best then it, it it's the equivalent of the church announcements episode mm-hmm. it's the it's the it's the iconic epitome of the show the it's an episode called pancakes review pan, uh, no i'm sorry pancakes divorce pancakes <laughs> uh, because in each in most in the average episode he does three reviews yeah and so in this one the first thing he and and when he get in the first season when he gets a submission he has to do it yeah. he feels honor bound to review whatever people submit because he thinks that these are people in need and who need his service uh-huh. and what he's doing is noble. And that's a, a clearly like a behind the scenes decision that they had to make. Like, we're going to have him do insane things. Who would do this? Why would they do it? Okay, well, he's got to be so self-righteous that he thinks he's doing something necessary and good. Yeah. And so the first submission in the episode is, what's it like to eat 15 pancakes? <laughs> so he does that and reviews that. And then the middle one is, What's it like to get a divorce? And so he has to divorce his wife, whom he loves. (laughs) And then the third one is, what's it like to eat 30 pancakes? That's that's the quintessential episode of review. That's the one you have to watch if you only watch one. But something emerges from watching review, which is that even though it is set up to be episodic and even not just episodes, but acts it's set up so that each act is its own review. When it goes to commercial, you come back from commercial and it's a new review and you could almost watch them in isolation. Um, Despite that more you watch, the more you see, Oh, okay. Actions have consequences. And there is a serialized story being told here about this man's life and, Mm -hmm. and, and the lanes he'll go to and the decline that he that he willfully p- puts himself in, losing all his loved ones, etc. Likewise, watching Joe Parra talks with you, it's ostensibly set up to be episodic. Each episode has a topic. It has a very gorgeous title card. Mm-hmm. tells you specifically what it's about. Um, and, but, and this is, my fa- this is my favorite shit in the world, is that it emerges that there is a serialized story and that actions have consequences and that yes. actually there's a season long arc going yes. on. Um, and I say that's my favorite shit in the world because I, I, I not only love serialized television shows and in particular serialized comedies, mm-hmm. but even more specifically, sneaky serialization. Yeah. That's also very much my shit. Yeah. So, so, I think I got into this because um, I think starting with Arrested Development, Arrested Development is like, oh, in, yeah. Arrested Development is like in your face about like there, you know, with the, with its narrator and its flashbacks and all its recapping and, and callbacks, and everything. It's like there's a whole story and you got to tune in every week. And I don't think I had ever 
particularly seen a comedy like that. Like I understood that there were like dramas and like soap operas with like serialized stories, but like a half hour comedy where like I'm going to be rewarded for paying attention and watching every episode in order. Like that to me was groundbreaking. Yeah. And then today, what, what tickles my funny bone even more or scratches that itch even more is a show where it doesn't announce that it's serialized in the way that Arrested Development does. It doesn't seem like it's designed to be that way. But if you keep watching and if you pay attention, Mm -hmm. then you will start to see, oh, they are doing something more. They are doing something in addition to what they're ostensibly supposed to be doing in in the episodic nature of things. So I got onto that because of review. But the real reason I wanted to talk about review is because review is a show within a show mm-hmm. where the show within a show is all you see. Mm-hmm. It's not like other shows within a show where this is a show about somebody who has a show. And sometimes you see their life and sometimes you see the show that they do, like the Larry Sanders show or something like that. Review is a show where the show that you watch is a fictional show. Yeah. (laughs) And so that kind of helps me try to understand Joe Perra talks with you. Mm -hmm. Because here's, here's my thought process when I, so, because, because I'm, I'm thinking about like the logic of how things work. That's just like an instinct. Mm Mm-hmm. I go like, okay, he can talk to me. He can talk to to the audience. And he ostensibly has a a life and interacts with other characters. Okay, I can follow this. And I've, I've seen this before. If only Joe interacts with the audience, only Joe has that connection. I've seen that in like, Nickelodeon shows like Clarissa Explains It All or mm-hmm. something like that, or, or or like Lizzie McGuire. I don't, I haven't really watched these shows. I don't know if they're exactly good examples of what I'm talking Clarissa about. Clarissa Explains It All is a great example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Clarissa Explains It All is like you will see scenes from her life, and she can narrate it for you, and she can directly address the audience. But there's no there's no cameras in the room with people. When the scenes are playing out, it's just a it's just a device. The the relationship between the main character and the audience. Maybe Joe Parra talks with you is like that. Not so. <laughs> yeah. The other characters are aware that Joe Parra is talking with you, mm-hmm. and that he does presentations, and and that that. And, yeah. and and very importantly, if you can say, yeah, you can say spoiler alert for the show. Just This is just a minor spoiler. There is an episode in which, in the second season, in which Joe is going through a rough time. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to do a presentation for you on what he's doing, which is, uh, uh, you know, something necessary but sad. Writing, yeah. And, uh... He and and Sarah, who is a, who Sarah, who who is also there, um, sees that Joe needs a break and and needs to finish what he's doing 
free of distraction. And so she looks into the camera and she says, hey, come outside with me for a minute. And then it, and then. And then she says, uh, hey, I'm Sarah Connor. More importantly, unbelievably, the camera she said that to, we don't watch it follow her outside. Yes. Then there is a cut to an to the perspective of another camera which is already outside. Yes. Yes. And then she steps outside and then she says as you were just saying, "Hello, my name is Sarah Connor and today we're going to talk about edible and non-edible plants." Yeah. Grass. She starts doing her own I presentation. But I uh I take it over kale any day. Yes, exactly right. Yes, a good joke. <laughs> um, so, here's Here's the other, so there are two other things it could be that it is not. Mm-hmm. And the first is when I understood, okay, this is not just a special relation. This is before the Sarah thing. This is before the example I just showed, yeah. watching the first season. I'm thinking, okay, if it's not that Joe has a special relationship with the audience, um, which we know from the first episode isn't really the case because Gene does some narration in the first episode yeah. and and they they do that presentation which you just talked about earlier when we were talking about how good looking the show is. Yeah. When they're standing on the beach at, at Lake Superior, they're both facing the camera. They're both doing like address to the camera. Like clearly it's Gene doing Joe a favor and it's <laughs> Joe's idea, but still like Gene is in on it. So Therefore, it's not the special relationship thing. So my next thought is, okay, the next thing that it could be is Joe Para, the, the character, the choir teacher, is the town oddball. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that he hosts a show. And by virtue of the fiction and television, we get to see that show, but the reality in this fictional world is that it's a delusion of his mm-hmm. and that everyone around him is humoring him mm-hmm. because they know what he's like and they're nice and they're small, a good small town folk. That theory goes out the window when, when Sarah takes over the show. Mm-hmm. And so, so... I mean, I guess you could make the case that she's just doing Joe a nice favor by, like, pretending. But, like, basically, there, basically there's nothing sinister at work in this show. Mm-hmm. Because it's just nice and wholesome and, and good. <laughs> and uh, so the, the next thing that could be happening but isn't, because, frankly, it would be so boring is it, it could be a mockumentary. And, mm-hmm. and if it were a mockumentary, then we would understand that there are cameras, like there are literal cameras and a literal film crew, and they're following uh, these people around. Except we and, never see any, see any of the other cameras. And that's how the show is being made. That's also out the window mm-hmm. for because of the way that it's shot and it's written 
So let me talk about mockumentaries for a second, and and specifically mockumentaries on TV. Mm-hmm. The Office is the one show that I can think of that I've watched that I'm aware of that reckons with the fact that it is a mockumentary. Yes, totally. And that sticks to it reliably Mm -hmm. and creates a narrative where it's important that it's a mockumentary and also creates a logic for for why it's happening. Mm -hmm. Office was quite popular. Mm-hmm. spawned a lot of copycats and near spinoffs. For example, Parks and Recreation. Is Parks and Recreation a mockumentary? Yeah, you ruined this for me. So one would assume that Parks and Recreation is a mockumentary because to look at it is to think, I've seen this, this is just like The Office. Mm-hmm. Because, for example... The characters do talking head interviews where they mm-hmm. talk right to the camera. But there's no in-game. There's it's no in-universe. <laughs> no, you can call it. Yeah, you, it, it is a game. There's no in-game reason for them there's to be no doing in, interviews. There's no in-universe reason. Sorry, I thought you meant game not in place of show, but in place of reason. Because <laughs> it is the, the game of it would be yes. a way of describing like the reason for There's no in-universe reason why this documentary is being made. And I will point out that I I can think of at least one specific instance in the show where Leslie Nope goes to a person's home. Mm -hmm. The person is not one of the main characters on the show. She knocks on their door. They answer the door. And then there is a cut to a reverse shot, meaning a shot from the perspective of a camera behind the back of the person who just answered the door. Yeah. So that you can look over their shoulder and look out of the house onto our main character. Mm -hmm. Why was that camera in that house? Yeah. If this is a mockumentary, which which means it's supposed to be a documentary in universe. Mm -hmm. So in that way the mockumentary format or the visual language of it is, is basically just an excuse to do talking head interviews, Mm -hmm. which are, in my opinion, the weakest part of parks and recreation. You don't get a lot of gut busters in my opinion, out of those moments from the show. Yeah. The ones that are so funny are the ones that are when they're, when the characters are interacting with each other, they have such chemistry. Exactly. Yes. The really golden moments of the show are when the student, when the, 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 the characters are interacting with each other and when they're just talking, when it's just one of them talking to the camera, um, a lot of times it's not that funny, or at least not as funny as the rest. It's oftentimes and, very exposition, expositional, too. Yeah, and not... Which is necessary, sometimes, but... But sometimes not really necessary. Sometimes oh, yeah, it's, yeah. like, explaining a, a little too much something that doesn't need explaining in this way. Which can be necessary, perhaps. So, one step farther towards hell, or, or <laughs> one, one step farther away from God... Mm-hmm. is to go from Parks, Parks and Recreation to Modern Family. Yes, have you ever watched Modern Family? I have not watched Modern Family. You told me that the beginning 
was very similar to This Is Us. I compared the first, yes. In in the way that it tricks you, that is. I borrowed this from somebody else. I don't remember where I read it once upon a time, but I compared, um, because someone else did, the first episode of This Is Us, which I haven't seen, to the first episode of Modern Family, which I have seen. Which I haven't seen. (laughs) Are are you aware that there are talking head moments on Modern Family? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know nothing about Modern Family. Oh, there's it's it's a huge part except of it. I think it just ended. Yeah, I think that's true too. Okay, and, and I I watched maybe the first I don't know three seasons or something like that, um, and and really enjoyed it for a time. Um, uh, found some funny stuff to love in there. There's a lot of characters direct addressing the camera. Uh, other than that, it. It doesn't look like The Office or Parks and Recreation. Like, it mostly just looks like a sitcom. Um, And um, who are they talking to when they they talk into the camera like that? I Perhaps, maybe, uh, I might make the case one step even farther down the road, away from God, straying from God, is Arrested Development. Is Arrested Development a mockumentary? I feel like... To be clear, there are no talking head segments yeah. in Modern Family. There's no characters direct addressing the you camera. in Arrested Development? In Arrested Development, sorry, yes. Now we're talking about Arrested Development. I feel like they... I feel like at some point they acknowledge... There's, but I can't remember. In, instead of the trope of the talking head interviews... Arrested Development has its narrator, yes, who does a lot of exposition, often funny exposition, which I think is supposed to be not just here's a sitcom with a narrator, but like a documentary about these people would have a narrator. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I am pretty sure I remember one specific moment in Arrested Development where... They, the scene is going from a hallway of a courthouse into a courtroom, mm-hmm. and then the cameras are stopped at the door. Yes, like no, the that door is open, yes. and then like a bailiff is like, "You can't bring cameras in mm-hmm. here," and the cameras are forced out on Arrested Development. Yeah, I will say, I will say, <sighs> I have some. I mean, and this could be, what is it called when you go backwards to, like, to explain something? Uh, red, uh, retconning? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that at the end, and then into what was the weird seasons later, um, there was this idea, but it was at the end of the third season, there mm-hmm. was this idea that they were going to take this crazy story that they had of this family and turn it into a movie or a TV uh, show. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, yes and no. Yes, yeah. you're right. But also when the third season ends with what about a movie? Yes. That's it. That is a meta joke teasing what comes next will be a movie. Yes. And it won't be the movie version of the story we've already seen it'll be the movie continuation of that story but in in universe yes you're right they're talking about a movie version of the story of this family which we've already seen but 
in the continuation, because they never made a movie, they made seasons on Netflix, they continue that joke with a, with a joke that says, what, a, what about a TV series? And so you could make the argument, I suppose, that the TV show that we're watching by watching Arrested Development is the TV show that someone made about this family? Is that what you're supposing? I think that I think that the show implies a version of that, yeah. Okay. So I, but again, I think that it's sort of so you're shaky saying, ground and it's half half of a joke and I think I understand what you're saying though. I think you're you're implying or you're you're getting towards the idea that instead of being a mockumentary arrested development is ostensibly a a docudrama yes where it it is it is a drama uh but but it is uh based on real events and so it is written and made as if the cameras were there for the real events Mm mm-hmm which is what I understand docudrama to mean. Yeah, that that sounds like what I'm saying. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think I think you're understanding. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're doing that for each other. So, <laughs> so what does all of this mean for Joe Para? Joe Para talks with you. Yeah, Joe Para talks with you is a show that, in my reading of it, is is none of these things. It's mm-hmm. a, it's adjacent to all of them. But basically, there's there's no strictly logical narrative mm-hmm. that you can imprint onto it that will apply to everything. However, I've as much as I've wondered about this, I've wondered about this just because I'm me. Yes, I haven't. Have. I haven't wondered about this because the show is what it is. Yeah, I I, I think the show has in in two seasons has never once betrayed no yes me as an audience member by betraying what it presents itself as mm-hmm. like the show is perfectly itself and everything is of a piece and everything makes sense mm-hmm. and i appreciate every minute of it I've never felt like, oh, well, that took me out of the reality of it. Or like, oh, that doesn't, that seems like it doesn't belong. So therefore, there is a cohesion, which is another way of saying that there is an internal logic. Mm-hmm. But that internal logic, it, I can't define in logical terms. The only which terms in which I can attempt to, attempt to define it are like, emotional ones like it it all it all makes sense because it all feels like it should make sense it it belongs it all feels it when joe paris says tune in to see this this season when sarah talks to the camera and takes over the show for a moment when gene joins joe in doing the presentation about minerals Mm -hmm. it all it all feels cohesive and coherent i do have one term here that i think i don't think it's going to answer all your questions and maybe Uh you've already thought of this Mm. um but you haven't specifically mentioned it so i think it's worth bringing up 
So in the first episode, which I have watched twice because I did get Kenny to watch the first two episodes with me. Right. He's in his living room with Gus. Yes. And when the... How do you say their last name? The Melskis. The Melskis show up. He says, I'm doing a presentation. Yes. And I feel like, you're right, I don't think he's making a television show. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's doing a presentation. And the television is the means by which his presentations are broadcast to the audience for those presentations. Yeah. Which is why he would use the language of tune in. And also, mm-hmm. he's a teacher. Yes. So he's very used to presenting on things, but also being sidetracked occasionally. <laughs> yes, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, we, so because I feel like that's an important thing, too, is it's like he's giving a presentation. He's not in school, but he still has the like when you're in school every day, when you're a teacher and you're teaching every day, not every day is going to be perfectly structured because that would be impossible. Right. Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and just real quick about why he's a teacher. Um, I listened to a podcast that I'll put a link to in the show notes. I had never heard of this podcast. It's called Talk House mm-hmm. until um, it showed up on my Twitter feed because Joe Perra was on it. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I guess, uh, from listening to one episode, Talk House is a podcast where like two artists talk to one another. Oh, cool. It's and like this- those uh, Vanity Fair interviews I've was watching for a while right something like that so this guy this musician dave bazan who is known for a band called pedro the lion okay yeah i guess he's uh is a fan of joe para and and joe para talks with you and he reached out to the podcast which i guess he has been on before Mm -hmm. and he was like hey what if i talk to joe para could you set that up and they set it up and so it's dave bazan in conversation with joe para and it's mostly an interview of Joe Para, um, but it is a two-sided conversation. And um, I learned a few things from that, but the, the reason I bring it up now is just because I, for some reason, want, feel like I have to mention, Joe says on the podcast, a lot of people I went to school with became music teachers. <laughs> and so the show is the decision for Joe Para, the character, to be a choir teacher was sort of a way to explore what if he had gone down the same path that some of his friends did of becoming music teachers That's instead so of going the, down the path of comedy. Yeah. So um, you'll definitely want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And then I happen to know that um, I haven't listened to it yet, but the even newer episode of the Talk House podcast is Amy Mann in conversation with Matt Berninger. Ber- <gasps> Berninger? So... Yeah, Matty B, as we call Matty him. Matty B, yeah, not to be confused with Matt Besser. Yeah. R.I.P. UCB. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so some something to look forward to, um, uh, some some better podcast in your future. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned the Melskis. Yes. So let's just talk about Connor O'Malley a little bit. The yeah, he's an I, enigma to you. The, the, the reason I want to talk about this is, is, is another little reading I have of the show, which is that... Okay, the show is based around Joe Perez's comedy and the persona that he created. And I think, based on other things that I've seen, based on other comedy shows, TV shows that I've watched, 
It seems natural to me that it would be very easy to make the decision that the show is set in a world where everybody acts kind of like Joe Perry. Mm. Where, okay, we're basing this show around this oddball character who has a particular way of talking, etc. So mm. the that's the comedy. And so the show is like, the, the it should be populated by, like, everybody's going to, you know, do their version of what Joe does. Yeah. And, and, and the world and all of its people will be heightened in this particular way, in this particular direction, uh, matching Joe's heightened, you know, persona. Yeah. That seems like it would be the easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Instead, everyone is allowed to do and, and, and supported in doing what they do best. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Connor O'Malley, who plays Mike Melsky on the show, plays a Connor O'Malley character, despite being on a show as wholesome as Joe Parra talks with you, mm-hmm. when a Connor O'Malley character is the opposite, the exact mm-hmm. opposite. It's the, so the, gross. The polar opposite. Con- Connor O'Malley's comedy, from what I've seen of him online is is all about yelling at you and basically doing like almost like a performance art parody of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. um it's just it's the most obnoxious abrasive shit imaginable Mm -hmm. he's done it for youtube and vine and twitter and all these things and Joe Perry tells a story, you know, about you know, they, they, they're, they're New York guys, people, they're New York people. They make the show on the East Coast, you know, they film in, in Marquette. But, but, you know, when they work together in New York City, they might have a writer's room where they're writing the new season. And somebody will go, where, where's Connor? Um, and Joe will say, oh, you can... You can see what he's doing if you want by tuning into this live stream. He's walking up the BQE going the wrong way right now, screaming <laughs> about the minions <laughs> passing cars. And that's and that's tr- that's true and accurate. And and I'm gonna put a link to a Connor O'Malley video in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And if you are brave enough to watch that video, I I I invite you to remember. Whatever video I pick, I'm going to pick what I consider to be the most palatable, the, the most family-friendly Connor O'Malley video. Some of his videos, he, in addition to the toxic masculinity reading, he's, he's, his character, quote-unquote, is, or his persona is, is often obsessed with late night talk shows and mm-hmm. being a late night talk show host. Mm-hmm. And so in the time of quarantine, what he's been doing is he's been doing these, these um, uh, live streams uh, on YouTube where he, he bikes around the city hosting a talk show is what he says he's doing which he calls late bike or the bike talk show he just calls it different things at different times 
Um, and it's a lot of yelling and it's a lot of like, he's always playing music out of his phone and you can tell that clearly he's picked out whatever he thinks are like the shittiest, most obnoxious songs. <laughs> and he's just yelling along with them. Um, and telling quote unquote monologue jokes, mm -hmm. which are sort of structured like monologue jokes, but instead of like real things that are in the news, it's just heinous shit that he made up. <laughs> um, and then before the quarantine, before Late Bike with Bike Guy, he did the River Talk show where he would put on a suit and he would literally go in the East river <laughs> with his phone on a selfie stick. And like, there's no way that you can fake this going in the East river, but it's also an insane thing to do. <laughs> um, and to do for basically no reason. <laughs> like, it's just a no, video he put no. on the internet. The reason is art, man. It is performance art. I, it, it is. Um, so that guy gets to play Mike Melsky on Joe Para, a character who walks the line of like, they can't betray the viewer because you have to, you know, there's a contract and the contract is you're watching this show, which is going to be, if emotional sometimes, then it's not it, going to make you feel bad. It's it's not going to put you down, scare you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to gross you out. It's not going to scream in your face like Connor O'Malley videos literally do. And yet Connor O'Malley gets to play a character who is in his own relatively quiet, um, you know, small town way, like um uh, an example of toxic masculinity and and <laughs> and like really selfish and 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 obnoxious yeah and when will yell sometimes can um can we talk about the chicken oh the all chicken diet yeah <laughs> which he learned about from the joe rogan experience <laughs> Which is like a per, you know perfect example of like a perfect you know perfect writing you know perfect character description. So the, so there's this arc in the second season um, where I think it starts in the grocery store episode. Uh, Joe Parrott takes you grocery shopping. Yep. Where he runs into Sue, yep. who is um, Mike's wife, yep. and she's buying two rotisserie chickens, and he's like comments on this. Yes. Um, and they have a a chat and. She says, "Well, I'm I, the second one's just for Mike," yeah. and he's like, "Oh, you know, he really eats a lot of chicken or mm -hmm. something like that." And he she eats a whole chicken by himself. <laughs> and she explains that he got it in his head that he should have this diet where he does like intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and he only eats one meal a day and it's an all protein meal. And so once a day at dinner, he eats a whole rotisserie chicken mm -hmm. and um, does this in the shower. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so that he day. can wash so that he can wash all the grease off of himself <laughs> when he's done. And how all day he's in a terrible mood. He keeps dropping things in the shop. He's a yes. car mechanic. They run an auto shop together. Yeah, because he's lightheaded, and then he comes in, doesn't talk to any of them, and eats this chicken. And she hates it, and it's made him terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And and you mentioned it's an arc because this is this is the beginning of there's a subplot 
in the sort of secret serialization of the second season of the show where, you know, are these, are these two going to get a divorce or not? Their marriage yeah. is on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it starts because he's being an asshole and only right. eating chicken. Right. That, and that's just, that's like indicative of like what's going on in their home. So the, 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 the Mike Melsky moment I want to talk about is from the, is from episode two of season mm-hmm. one, the, the breakfast episode, yeah. the perfect, <laughs> the perfect egg bite, yeah. which is one, one of my favorite scenes in any episode of the show. And it, and part of the reason why is because it uses one of my favorite things you can use in comedy, which is words on Text. the screen. Yes. So he's de- he's describing what he puts on his toast to try and create the perfect egg bite. And as he takes you through it, they edit it so that you see a close up of uh, what he's doing in slow motion. And uh, also uh, each ingredient is uh, it appears with a number you know, like uh, uh, an item on a numbered list mm-hmm. with words on the screen. And item number three is he calls it purple jelly. And then it cuts to Joe <laughs> and he says, you mean grape? And Mike says, what? Oh, I don't know, I guess. And then, <laughs> and then it edits on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yes. You So in one shot, it says three purple jelly. And then you get the cut cut from the dialogue and then cuts back and it says three grape jelly. <laughs> oh, my God. And that was one of the few times Kenny laughed out loud when we yes. were watching. And he does and you, get to yell and scream when he bites into it and he breaks the yoke. He goes like, God damn it. And then as Joe's walking away, he says, I need a win. <laughs> and and his children are laughing. And Sue goes, don't laugh at him. He's trying really hard. <laughs> that scene is so, and so the other funny. really good part about that scene is he's like, all of the perfect flavors are here, but it's missing something. And then it cuts to his eldest daughter. And yeah. when he says the, the sunny, sunny side up, up over, fry, over the easy fried, the easy fried egg. egg, she mouths, she mouths it. along with him. Yeah, like she's seen this a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, and the grape, the grape, I wanted to mention too, the purple jelly thing reminded me of. Um, uh, the Aziz Ansari joke about grapefruit juice. Mm, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, why isn't this purple? Because no, yeah. because Kanye West. Yes. He was, and Kanye West was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's why yes. isn't this purple? Because he's like, he said grapefruit juice, like grapefruit juice. Fruit juice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't this purple? Kanye yeah. West doesn't know what a grapefruit is. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a yeah. Um. So so this is a great. Chance to, okay, I want to talk more about details, the, the level of detail with which we just talked about that scene. I just want to talk a little bit more about two sort of two things simultaneously. One is the show is so rewatchable in the in the past like year and a half. I've rewatched every episode several times because I'm showing it to different people. I'm watching it with different audiences, blah, blah, blah. And just for my own self. Um and so at, I, every time I rewatch the show, I, I notice new things. Mm-hmm. Every, every single time. It never stops. I always pick up on something new. And um, so I want to talk about those details. And then in combination with that, I want to re- I teased this earlier. I want to talk about how good it looks and sounds. 
Okay, so real quick to set this up, the shape of the first season, to use shape in Joe Scapolato terms, yes, is um, season one goes through sort of mid-fall to the beginning of summer. You see, um, you know, Halloween goes by, mm-hmm. uh, New Year's Eve, etc. Um, shape of season two is like from Easter to the first day of the new school year. It's mm-hmm. it's the summer vacation season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the, I would even say the growing season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, the arc of the second season is the bean arch. Yes. A literal, a literal arc or arch. Yes. Yes. Um, so uh, the reason I brought up the seasons is just to give you an example of the type of detail that I noticed in my latest rewatch. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you can clock, uh, pun intended, you'll see why in a moment, uh, that in the first season that Joe has seasonal wristwatches, you can see in uh, the Joe Para takes you on a fall drive episode that when he has his hands on the steering wheel, his wrist is pretty prominent in the foreground. And you can see there's a little pumpkin on the face of his wristwatch. And then I also clocked that in the Who episode, uh, when he's uh, washing dishes, you can see his hand and his wrist pretty clearly the way it's like clutching the dish and he's frozen when he mm-hmm. first starts to hear Bob O'Reilly for the first time. And uh, uh, his watch at that time has like a little tree on it. No. Like, a, like a pine tree, like a Christmas tree. What a, that's not even like a grandparent thing. That's like a my grandmother thing. <laughs> that's not something my grandfather ever would have done, but my grandmother, absolutely. Yeah, and he talks about, uh, in the podcast I mentioned, in the Talk House episode I mentioned earlier, he talks about how his family would always uh, decorate for, like, every holiday. And there was just, like, a rotation of, like, how the house would be decorated um, and how that creates, like, a routine and, and how that's, like, a big part of life. Um, and and uh, just for an example of how good the show looks like how it is like cinema and like the way that it's shot and edited is like um in the uh the there there are two two examples of a, of a similar trick the first is in joe parrot talks you back to sleep which is an mm-hmm. episode in the first season and it's when he starts to describe how uh, he always blinks in the school photos, and it's and it's him in bed uh, talking to you, and he can't sleep, and there's a thunderstorm outside, mm-hmm. and as he talk, starts to talk about this subject, there is a lightning strike, and then the lightning strike becomes the flash of the camera because it mm-hmm. cuts from him in bed to him being photographed for his school photo. And the flash of the lightning blends perfect seamlessly into the flash of the camera. Mm-hmm. And then the similar thing that happens is in the New Year's Eve episode, when he's snapped out of his fantasy, mm-hmm. it's him and Sarah and their, fr- and their two friends um, sitting in a driveway with the mm-hmm. garage door open, mm-hmm. They're sort of in the garage, um, and, uh, and in the fantasy, a car drives up and the headlights hit them. And then that abruptly cuts to 
reality where Joe is standing in the Melski's backyard and they're pulling up and the headlights are hitting him and, and flooding him. Like that doesn't have to be like, that's, that's icing on the cake and it's yes. like beautiful icing. It's like, it, it really like elevates the show to the next level in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Also how it sounds like the music is all beautiful. The music is all by somebody or some group called Holland patent public library. <laughs> and you can listen to all the music online and I'll put one or more links on the show notes in the show notes about that. Um, the last thing on my uh, outline is show for our times. Mm-hmm. And um, I want I, I, I just want to say briefly how important what how important it is what the show turns out to be about mm-hmm. because at the beginning it seems like it's ostensibly it's just about simple things mm-hmm. it's just a man who really thinks a lot about things that seem trivial and so he's going to do presentations on simple things in life and the point of that might be to appreciate, you know, the simpler pleasures of life. And to some extent, that is what's going on and that is what it's about. But then also when you get into that sneaky serialization of the arc of the first season, mm-hmm. what it's ultimately about is how that character is confronted with someone who thinks in a very different way mm-hmm. and it's kind of a wake-up call and it's a confrontation between spending all your time thinking about these simple trivial seeming things that make up a life and are significant in our everyday lives and spending your time thinking about things of enormous gravity that are actually happening and are some that are likely to happen mm-hmm. Um, things that go into making Sarah, who the arc of the first season is these two people are meeting and starting to like each other and are they going to end up together? It's what it's the line of thinking that makes Sarah, it turns out, a doomsday prepper. Mm-hmm. And she is struggling with can she be with Joe when all Joe thinks about is like the, di- the difference between diners and family restaurants when when all she thinks about is like the coming apocalypse. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, basically, you know, like the kind of shit that's in the news, but like taken to a a degree where like you kind of get into like fringe conspiracy theories. Yeah. But like in our own lives, like you don't have to go down those roads in order to just, be aware of just a fraction of the things that are going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's enough to make you want to, you know, pick up something dangerous and, and get your friends together and storm some mansions or storm some skyscrapers or yeah. storm some government buildings or something or something like that. Um, and, and and that is 
uh, uh, a narrative. That is a story that is about uh, my experience um, trying to be a person simultaneously alive, aware, uh, good or decent at least, and uh, happy, and how in conflict those things are. And it's about that in a way that few things are. I, I have two things to say about that. The first is that I feel like the most beautiful moments in the show, and there are so many beautiful, beautiful moments, yeah. are the moments where they realize the overlap between their interests. Yes. Um. So, like, the first is that the first time this happens is when she's like, oh, I, I thought you were a doomsday prepper because when I saw you at the grocery store that day, our, our carts were pretty similar. And it yeah. you see, instead of just the shot of Joe seeing Sarah at the end of the aisle with it, mm-hmm cart full of cans of tomato sauce you see joe uh at the end of the aisle with a can with a cart with not as much tomato sauce (laughs) but a lot yeah a lot of cans in his cart um and you know there's also moments like that with like part of the reason he wants to grow the bean arch um which i think he sort of says a couple of times but maybe not explicitly is that like he can grow this bean arch, which is this beautiful thing. It relates him to his grandfather. He, you know, he, it's part of nature, but he also knows that beans can well. And so he can put them into her thing and they can save the seeds and they can have the seeds then. Right. Which is like this perfect like mixture. Yes. I, I brought up NPR earlier and I think it's worth to bring it up again because one of my favorite things about NPR is that this exact mixture that you're talking about, which is, the the joe sarah parallel right um because i will be scrolling through npr and this has happened so many times and it'll be some horrible headline about something terrible happening i don't even need to make up a headline you can just imagine it Mm -hmm. just says coronavirus or whatever and then there will be another article that says and this is a real headline okay how smart are horses really (laughs) Uh-huh. And that's why I love NPR because they mm. foster and you know, you know, I know that like hypothetically I should be looking at multiple news sources and I and I do, but the reason that I mostly focus on NPR is because they give me moments of wonder mm. in the same way that Joe Para has moments of wonder and then they also give me actual news. Mm-hmm. And there was another one yeah, that I don't that, remember that, exactly so that was like in- if dark matter is real, how about dark magic <laughs> okay not where i thought that was going all right um jumping off of you said a moment ago like it, it's uh, another example of the same kind of parallel or the same kind of conflict my, my comparison is the the cinematic equivalent that, like the the place where i've seen this happening in a movie is a movie called First Reformed that came out a few years ago with Ethan okay. Hawke. And um, Joe Parra is like, it's television, it's 10 minutes, an episode, it's a comedy. Um, you will come away feeling hopeful. And First Reformed is like a movie by Paul Schrader. And it's like, maybe you could make the case that like there is some hope in the ending, but like, it's a movie it's a movie about like waking up to the realities of climate change and and feeling hopelessness and feeling like 
the only thing you can do about it is to take radical action that would be seen as like terrorism. Yeah. Um, and um, so th- that's, that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of where those are the sort of main two places that I've seen in the past like three years, that movie and this TV show where I've seen like in, in, in fiction on the, on my screen, uh, like a depiction of like um, somebody struggling with, um, you know, the, the uh, awareness of the world, but mm-hmm. butting up against their world. Yeah. You know, yeah, as, yeah. As they, as they've lived it and designed it um, to, uh, to, you know, and it's, it's kind of insulated and it's kind of self-absorbed in a way. Um, but it, but it is a show about like Joe, it's, it's a show about the, the appreciation of those things and also simultaneously growing to make room for the other things as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like yeah. grief and, and like the news and, and like climate change and, and all that. Um, so, uh, the coda um, that I will put onto this at the end is: um, Have you seen this thing? Uh, it was uh, published on Vulture mm-hmm. um, at uh, on April second, so uh, almost a month ago. And it's called "If I Wrote a Coronavirus Episode." Have you seen this? No. Tina Fey, Mike Shore, and 35 more TV writers on what their characters would do in a pandemic by Maria Elena Fernandez. And basically this this vulture writer uh, reached out to all these showrunners, head writers, etc. for like, what if there was an episode of your show about like the quarantine and what's going on right now? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of recognizable ones they clearly front loaded it with the first one is 30 rock mm-hmm. and it's so funny. And I, I think that it is a stark contrast with second in the article is parks and recreation uh-huh. and the parks and recreation is just, it's so character focused mm-hmm. and it's so just like, this is what these characters would do in this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, kind of funny how Leslie would handle it but like there are no jokes in it yeah it's not funny to read it yeah the 30 rock one is longer like Uh much longer and just perfect joke after joke in the Mm -hmm. voices of the 30 rock characters that you know like it's just a collection of like 10 or 12 like new hilarious 30 rock lines mm-hmm. um and so the the contrast there i think is like says a lot about those two shows that i mm-hmm. have different uh fondnesses for and different mm-hmm. relationships to but most importantly they reached out to joe para <laughs> and one of the shows on this list is joe para talks with you and i want to read to you what joe para wrote okay Joe and Sarah sit on their respective cots in Sarah's fortified basement, each reading big books. (laughs) Joe looks up, asks, Joe, colon, Sarah, 
Do you think they're still going to do movie night at the library next week? Uh. Sarah. What? <laughs> Joe removes from his mouth the cinnamon stick he's been chewing on. <laughs> Joe. Do you think that there will still be movie night at the library next week? Sarah opens her mouth to respond, but pauses. Of course it'll be canceled, but she knows how much Joe looks forward to the event each month and doesn't want to give him the disappointing news. Unfortunately, the pause lingers long enough for Joe to figure it out, and he <laughs> nods and returns to reading, <laughs> disheartened. Sarah sees the sad look on his face and begins to hum the tune of Good Time Girl, used in the opening credits of The New Pope, a television show that they have been watching this week, one episode each night before bed. Joe doesn't look up from his book, but begins to move his shoulders up and down to the beat, though he will never be able to dance like the attractive nuns at the beginning of each episode, Sarah and Joe imagine him doing so and smile. They go back to their books. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's perfect for what, every reason, which are, <laughs> and th those reasons are innumerable. But just to say, for example, that one... Joe Parrott does not talk with you in this. Yeah. There's no presentation. So the conceit of the show is not a part of it. Yes. So like when asked to like write this, you know, episode or this scene, mm -hmm. like he just focuses on the characters, mm -hmm. the, the main characters and what they would do. And the second thing is <laughs> the way he's, he asks the question, Sarah says what? And then the, you know, italics, the stage direction says Joe removes the cinnamon stick he's been chewing on, <laughs> yeah. which is, is a joke that only works if you're reading it and wouldn't work if they filmed it. The yeah. joke is that the first, when you're reading it, you don't know the cinnamon stick is in his mouth. <laughs> and so I just love the fact that whatever medium he's writing in, he's, he has adapted to like yeah. writing comedy that would only work in that particular medium. Yes. Liz, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely plug crying uh, all the time. It's something I've been doing a lot. You have a book. Oh, yeah, I have a book, um, Ashley Sugar Nash and the Wolf. You can get it from Mason Jar Press. Also, if you are um, somebody who would want some sort of presentation about poetry done, I can do that uh, for you. I am currently in talks with an eighth grade middle school teacher. Ah, and you will aspire to the levels of Joe Perry's presentations. Yes. For that audience. Yes. Um, and he teaches synchronously, so I would hypothetically – I need to email him back, actually. I would hypothetically be doing, like, talking with two sets of eighth grade or eighth grade English students. Live. Live. Not just doing a recording for them. Not just recording like I did for Dana. That's exciting. Um, I, I did it works for out for you. Your ladies' fourth grade students. 
Well, thank you as always for listening, and I'm glad that you enjoyed the show that me and my friends recommended to you. Yes, for so and Dave Otay of the pod as well mm-hmm. also recommended it to me. Um, yes, and thank you so much for sharing it with me. I'm so excited to have um, Kenny watch it with me over time. I'm excited to hear what he says, too. <laughs> okay, good night, Will. Love you. Love See you, you next too. week. Good night. See you soon. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at Youngest of One. And his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>